0: The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network.
1: Hey, it's Christina Bowling with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. And if you like this podcast, feel free to share it with a friend or give it a review or subscribe to it. We'd appreciate that. I'm talking today with Kathy Jatan, who is the president and CEO of Make-A-Wish of Central and Western North Carolina. If you're not familiar with Make-A-Wish, it's a national nonprofit that grants wishes for children who've been diagnosed with critical illnesses. Those wishes, whether they're to take a trip, meet a celebrity, or get a backyard play set, help kids build the physical and emotional strength they need to face what they're going through. Make-A-Wish of Central and Western North Carolina is on track in 2023 to grant the most wishes it ever has. So we're sitting down with Kathy to hear how that came to be and to learn a little bit about how Make-A-Wish grants wishes for those kids who need them. Kathy, thank Thank you so much for talking to us. I wanna first find out a little bit about your background and how long you've been working with Make-A-Wish of Central and Western North Carolina.
0: Sure. So first, thank you for having me. I'm so appreciative to have the chance to talk with you. I joined the team at Make-A-Wish in October 2020, so right at the height of the pandemic. And what brought you to this kind of work? What were you doing before? I stumbled into nonprofit work somewhat unexpectedly not long after I got out of college and started with the American Heart Association and i worked for them for almost 11 years and then had the opportunity to transition to st jude and really realized my passion for fundraising could be magnified when i had a child focused mission st jude was a, or is an incredible organization and i really realized that it aligned with my my passion and my fundraising ability and so I love that job. And then having opportunity to interview for the role here and the missions are not the same, but really provide a a kind of treatment to kids with critical and life-threatening illness. So very similar and thought it would be silly to not at least entertain the opportunity and can't imagine doing any other job than the one I'm doing now.
1: I wanted to see if you could give us kind of like a little introduction to the local Make-A-Wish chapter, how many wishes do you grant in a typical year and what is it, What does sort of the organization look like?
0: Yeah, so we, in our best year ever, granted 389 wishes. That was in 2019, so right before the world shut down. And uh, we will grant uh, close to 430 wishes this year. So we are super proud of that. I think our normal number is probably going to be around 400. We were pretty aggressive this year. We we had kind of an expanded pipeline because of the pandemic. A lot of our travel wishes were put on hold. And so we really wanted to make sure to prioritize those kids who had been waiting for this year once travel resumed as normal. So that's why our number this year is a little bit higher. But I think normally we'll probably grow up between 380 and 400 in a year based on the population and, you know, all those sorts of metrics that go into the 51 counties that we serve. So tell me about, like, kind of the
1: range or the types of wishes that you grant. I think a lot of people think about, like, maybe like a Disney trip or, you know, a dog, a puppy or something like that. What are, what are some of the kind of examples that you can give or even maybe some of the most common wishes that kids have? Sure. So
0: Disney is definitely our most common. Officially, we have four wish types. I wish to have, I wish to meet, I wish to go, and I wish to be. And so Disney would fall under the I wish to go category. So Disney is pretty common. About 50% of our wishes every year are Disney wishes because it is the most magical place on earth. I will tell you one of my most favorite wishes that we granted fairly recently in the wish to go category, we had a little guy who wanted to become a cheesemaker. And so his wish was to go to the Sargento factory in Wisconsin. We coordinated with that chapter. He got to visit the factory. Uh, he actually got to build a mozzarella snowman. And, you know, it is, it's an example of a wish, A, collaboration between two chapters, and B, a, a big corporate partner who... They invited their employees to participate in the wish in whatever way they wanted to. And th- the feedback that we got from their employees said it was one of the most meaningful things that they've done in a very long time. So that's our, you know, our wish to go can be a lot of different things. Our wish to, our wish to meet is most often a celebrity. And it's been interesting because we've seen a real shift in what I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but what celebrity means now, you know, it has traditionally been actors and actresses, musicians, those kinds of things. But we've really started to see the celebrity wishes, YouTubers and TikTokers and social media stars. So it has kind of been a shift in what we typically do on on that front.
1: Wow, that's fascinating to think about. That's true. How celebrity has changed so much over the years. Yes. So tell me about who who can qualify. How old are are these kids who are getting wishes? What do they? What are sort sort of some of the criteria that they would fall yeah. under that would make them eligible?
0: Our our age range is two and a half to eighteen, and that's the age at which the child has to be referred. So typically the referral comes from a chapter or a, a child's medical provider, and those referral sources most often come from a hospital setting. So it can be their somebody from their medical team, their social worker. But one of the things that we're trying to make sure people understand is that family and friends can also make referrals. The process is outlined on our website and We grant wishes for kids with critical and life-threatening illness, Mm -hmm. so it's an important distinction. There is still a misunderstanding that most of our wishes involve kids who are or have a terminal diagnosis, and that's not completely accurate. Terminal kids represent a a pretty small portion of what we do, but we want to give kids who have, you know critical illness that they're going to live with, you know, for their lives, the opportunity to forget about that illness, along with the kids who have a cancer diagnosis, for example, and, you know, might be going through treatment. The wish granting process really gets, gives them a chance to not focus on that treatment or the illness. So it's kind of twofold. Kids who have diagnoses that uh, we hope can be cured and, you know, treated and cured. And then kids who have lifetime critical illness. And it's an opportunity to kind of forget about that for a moment. I was reading, I think it was in your
1: annual report about a young woman who had been battling cancer. And she, I think is now going into biomedicine or something. And and her, her wish was a horse. And she talked about how, how much that helped her sort of just keeping motivated and moving forward. It was really amazing story.
0: I think that that really embodies the mission of Make-A-Wish. We are in the business of creating hope. And truly, we hear from kids' medical teams that the planning of a wish and the the actual wish happening has the ability to change a child's treatment outcome. You know, when when a kid is planning a wish, if they're sitting in a hospital bed waiting on a port to be cleaned or waiting for an infusion or something along those lines, and their wish specialist comes in and they get to talk about the Disney parks that they're going to visit and all the rides that they're going to ride. It really changes the kid's outlook for treatment that day. And it gives them something to hope for and something to look forward to. And it's not just the kid, it's the entire family unit that's going to be engaged in the wish. So it's, you know, I love my time at St. Jude, but when I think about what we do, We provide a a different kind of treatment that a medical team is never going to be able to provide. And we do it not just for the kid, but for the entire family. Wow. I was
1: wondering, you know, you talk about the the sort of different kinds of wishes and what are, what are some of the expenses, Kathy, that how much do these wishes cost? Does it vary widely?
0: Uh, It does vary. Our average cost is around $7,500 and when I started, our average cost was around $6,000 and the pandemic really changed. Um, everybody is, you know, really aware of what's happening with inflation and some of those kinds of things. So our we have seen our wish costs go up. Things like backyard play sets have gotten significantly more expensive. Just, you know, wishes in general have gone up because- travel is more expensive, food, everything's like, everything that goes into a wish it seems like has become more expensive as, you know, we have gotten through the pandemic and it doesn't feel like that is going to necessarily get any better. Right. I can understand
1: that. And I mean, I know just talking about money a little bit, I mean, the pandemic was so hard for nonprofits. I'm wondering how you all were impacted in terms of like, Funding that was coming in, and how many wishes you could grant during that time?
0: Revenue definitely went down, and I think that is something that every nonprofit that I'm familiar with experienced. I think our revenue decline wasn't as significant maybe as some other organizations, and I think that speaks to the power of our mission. An important distinction is that every dollar we raise in our fifty one counties is able to stay in our fifty one counties to great wishes for kids who live here. So, I think that is a very meaningful piece of what we do. While our revenue slowed down, the wish granting slowed down, so the expense, you know, the outgoing expense also slowed down a little bit. But what that meant for us is we had probably a hundred extra kids sitting in our pipeline uh, at the end of that first fiscal year in the pandemic. Uh, I think we granted 220 wishes that year. And again our our enormous closer to four hundred, so last year we were able to grant two hundred and eighty wishes, and we were very proud as a chapter of that growth um but I think that's where you see this year is you know kind of back to our normal wish granting the community, both the corporate community and the individual community have both been incredibly supportive, and you know I think anytime we bring a wish kid to a donor or to a company, they see how their support affects that child and his or her her family. And so it has really helped us continue to gain new supporters and grow our revenue to meet the demand of inflation and the growing number of wishes. So you mentioned that
1: you're expecting to have around 430 this year, wishes granted. That's right. And that'll be your biggest number yet? It will be. <laughs> are there any that are coming up that you would would like to share in terms of some wishes that you know offhand that that you know are being worked on right now, or maybe that were recently granted? We've got lots of Disney
0: wishes and lots of travel wishes. I will tell you, and I, I hope I'm going to get through this without crying. We talk about being in the business of creating hope. We had a wish April 22nd, uh, so I'm going back a couple of months, but on April 22nd we got an update from a social worker that one of our wish kids who was waiting had become a rush wish. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is her situation had become terminal, you know, with a very short amount of time left to live. Her her medical team told us less than 24 hours. And so Four. we, as a chapter, revisited with her to make sure her wish was what she wanted And she had wished for a boat for her family because they love spending time together on the water. And we really thought through, does it still make sense, you know, given what's happening for that to be her wish? And she said, you know what? It is still my wish because this is going to help keep my family afloat when I'm not here anymore. So we reached out to one of our partners and he got a boat on a trailer um, from the western part of the state to Chapel Hill. She was in the hospital in Chapel Hill and had the boat um, in the parking lot. So her family was out, they were FaceTiming, she got to see it. Um, and keep in mind, her her care team had said to us, she's got 24 hours or less. So she saw the boat, that day went by, she made it through another couple of days and surprisingly her care team called and said, we're actually gonna be able to send her home with hospice care. She is, she is kind of stable right now, So she went home, the family got to take the boat home and she actually got to go out on the boat with her, with her family, which is not something anybody thought possible. There was not a medical reason that she made it through those 24 hours. And so she passed in the middle of June. And what I think that wish did for her, you know, her, her medical team, everybody who was caring for her thought she had less than 24 hours. And when she saw her wish being granted, it it gave her the hope to make it for another month and a half, you know, time that she got with her family that she wouldn't have otherwise gotten. And so I think that to me has been one of the most meaningful wishes, you know, in the last month and certainly in my two and a half years with the chapter, because I think it is a real life example of how important a wish can be, you know, when there isn't a medical treatment option anymore, a wish truly really can come in and change the outcome. So it's a, it, that's a pretty special one.
1: Wow. That That's an incredible story. Just like you're saying of the actual physical impact
0: that a wish can have, how strong that is. Many parents that we've talked to who have lost children have said to us, you gave us memories that we never would have had, and you turned the worst point in our lives and you, you gave us something positive to associate with what was the worst moment in our lives. It would
1: seem, it would seem like, I would think Kathy, that having a job like yours would make it so hard for me to like keep my emotions in check every day. You know, I, I imagine that like it can, you can have these very, very happy moments and very, very sad moments. What is it like to work in a space like that? And, and if is, this isn't too personal, I'm wondering
0: if you cry a lot. Oh my gosh. I cry all the time. My team knows that I'm a crier. When I was going through the interview process, it was funny. One of the board members asked me to share, you know, my, my story, kind of my elevator speech, so to speak. And I was sharing it and, you know, got kind of emotional and said, you know, listen, if, if crying is not what you're looking for, I'm not your person because, the emotion of what we do, whether it's happy or sad, is something that I think we've got to embrace and celebrate. You know, it's something that we learned through the pandemic. We lost kids during the pandemic, and our wish specialists had a really hard time with that. And so, you know, I think as the leader of the chapter, if I can not be afraid to show emotion, whether it's happy or sad, it, it gives my team the permission to do that as well. So any given day, lots of laughter in our office, lots of laughter and happiness, and there is occasionally sadness. You know, we have our wish specialists, then they can spend months with a wish family planning a wish. And, you know, if the the worst outcome happens and we lose a wish shed, our wish specialists have been ingrained with that family for quite some time. And so it is emotional and it is sad, but- We have so many happy moments to make up for it, 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 but, but it is, it is an amazing job to be able to do and and to deliver the mission that we deliver every day, regardless of how the emotional toll that it takes. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wish people knew
1: about Make-A-Wish or some misconceptions that, that may be out there or things that, you know, folks might not know about?
0: Sure. I think the biggest misconception continues to be that we only grant wishes for terminal kids. And that is one of the things that we're really working to educate the public on and specifically our community on. Um, I think the other thing is that while we are a nationally recognized and loved brand, every Make-A-Wish chapter is its own 501c3. So every chapter is raising money in, in the community they serve to keep the money in the community that they serve. And so I think that's, that's probably one of the most important distinctions. There are so many amazing organizations that do great work, but we are, I would say one in a million where you, people know Make-A-Wish, you know the work that we do, um, but you can also support us either financially or with your time and know that that support is staying right here in our community which actually leads me perfectly to my next
1: question, because I'm wondering how people can get involved if they want to help. Sure.
0: Uh, Visiting our website, um, wish.org backslash NC, is the easiest way to begin the process of being engaged with us. We have wish granting volunteer opportunities we have event volunteer opportunities. And then, of course, financial support is always a way that someone, if, if they don't have the time, they can support us in that way as well. Wow. Well, Cappy,
1: it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And just myself, knowing a couple of kids who've been granted wishes, I just, I've seen firsthand the impact that you all have on people's lives and lives of not just the kids, but like you said, the families. So just congratulations on all the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been great to talk to you. You as well. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. Check out The Charlotte Ledger at Queen City podcast Network.com